Wait, wait, is this going to embarrass me or you? No, well, maybe both. It's going to backfire uh, pretty hard, but <laughs> probably that's usually what I'm used to. I'm going to I'm going to duck penis right. this up real good. Uh <laughs> so <laughs> Hey listeners, we are the Dude Scouts. We drink beers, talk about things, award made-up badges, and most importantly, never take ourselves too seriously. Check us out on Instagram, throw us a follow, and please subscribe on whichever platform you choose to listen to us on. Thanks for being a fan. Cheers. On this episode... We are lucky enough to be joined by our longtime friend, Zach. Together, we discuss Ulysses S. Grant and the idea of success. We come up with ideas for improper uses of firearms and in the end discuss value proposition and how we haven't got one. Enjoy our shenanigans. Welcome back to our 11th episode. Andrew, how's it going? Uh, it's going really well, and we have a very special guest with us today. We do. Our longtime friend from, uh, what, elementary school slash middle school, Zach. Zach, how you doing over there? I'm doing all right, Logan. Appreciate you guys having me on today. How you guys doing yeah. today? Well, you know, it's uh, it's recording day, so it's always a good day for us. Uh, Zach, what are you drinking? I am a bit of a fanboy of this beer, uh, so I'm going to try and keep it as short as possible. Uh, the brewery is called Unibrow, um, and it is a Quebec-based brewery. Um, the brewer up in Quebec, Unibrow, um, they focus a lot on Quebec folklore. That's interesting. Um, and so you have a lot of beers named after the discovery of Canada and North America. Um, as well as a secondary focus on the themes of heaven and hell. Um, and so this beer in particular by Unibrow is called Trois Pistoles. And it's actually named after, well, it's named after the a church in Quebec. That There's a, a long story about where how they decided where it was going to be built. Uh, but it, the beer itself is a tribute uh, to the Black Mare that was said to be sent by Satan himself, but bridled with a holy saddle that kept the horse tame enough to help construct the church. So uh, is it like a out-of-control beer that's tamed by something holy? It is quite the dark ale, I'll say that. Oh, it's very heavy? Yeah, okay. it sounds very heavy. It is a Belgian-style uh, dark ale, uh, okay. something akin to like a Belgian triple or quadruple. Uh, it's yep. about nine percent alcohol by volume, um, and there's no there's no weird jalapeno grapefruit ingredients. It's just good old fashioned Belgian beer, and I love it. Cool. So, are are all of their names in French? Are all the beer names in French? Actually, most of them are. Yes, uh, Ephemer, La Fin du Monde is another popular one of theirs. Cool. Well. That's interesting. Andrew, what are you drinking? So I've got a, a, a tribute to our friend Zach here. Um, this is from Bells, and it is Lager of the Lakes 
for your time oh, wow. at the Great Lakes. Yeah, yeah. Bohemian style lager. Exactly. Well, it's a Bohemian Pilsner, which is a very fun way to try to make a Pilsner sound exotic. It's really just like any other Pilsner. Um, <laughs> so this says, as refreshingly crisp as a morning swim in the Great Lakes, this golden lager sparks thoughts of sandy beaches and freshwater islands, which I know for Zach is not how he thinks of the Great Lakes, but... Uh... <laughs> now, I, I never particularly enjoyed my time like physically in the great lakes yeah I don't, I don't think it ever really got warm enough to be enjoyable not well not while but. you were there and uh <laughs> i imagine the sands and the fresh water really weren't as refreshing as this beer would like you to think Probably not. <laughs> um hey, but just... i will say the lack of jellyfish huge huge huge, yeah, bonus. huge. so it is five percent alcohol and uh it has a fun little tidbit uh in this and it says puerto rico do not litter. <laughs> wait, 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 wait. Hold on, hold on. So we're not allowed to litter in Puerto Rico? Yeah, it's fine. Yeah, but you can else. litter everywhere else. Yep. <laughs> but here, here it's okay. Yeah. 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 Just don't do it in Puerto Rico. Mm. <laughs> you know what, Logan? Uh, on your comment, I I think it'd be a lot of fun and just to add a little bit of adventure uh, to this Pilsner if one out of every, say, I don't know, a thousand bottles had a jellyfish in it. <laughs> That would be bohemian indeed. <laughs> Very bohemian. <laughs> All right, so Logan, what are you drinking? Medieval torture. Uh, so I am also drinking something from Bell's, uh, but I chose this beer because its release date actually just happened. I am drinking Hop Slam Ale from Bell's. Now, it is a double IPA. Uh, it's brewed with honey. It is 10%, so I went for a heavy hitter today. And it's a super cool beer. Uh, it comes out once a year, and it's only around for about a month, maybe two at most. And it's brewed with six different hops, and it's finished off with a dry hop. And it gives you uh, a pungent blend of grapefruit, stone fruit, and floral notes, and then with a generous dollop of honey. Hmm. So that honey really helps mellow out that 10%, so it's drinkable. Yeah, it... It's a wonderful beer. comes out once a year, and I look forward to it every year. A little bit more on the pricey side for a uh, six-pack, but absolutely worth every single penny. Uh, but yeah, so Hop Slam. It's, uh, it's, it's no stranger to people in Michigan, but people outside of Michigan, it, they wouldn't understand the beauty of yeah, it. So, Zach, it's no double Belgian brown dark ale. Well, if that's not good enough for you, I've also got this one as my secondary weapon, if you will. So coffee is for closers, coffee porter. It's a tribute to Glenn Gary Glenn Ross. Do you do you get a bit of caffeine buzz with a alcohol buzz? Uh, yeah, I, I drink seven cups of coffee a day. To be honest, if I do, I don't even notice. <laughs> Good. I, I'm glad I'm not the only one. Like I, I drink yeah. honestly like four <laughs> cups of coffee a day, and I'm pretty sure it has no effect on me. I, you know, I say that, but then every time I like give it up for a couple days, I get massive headaches. So, so this was the first time in my life I actually got withdrawal symptoms from coffee. That's it's never been that bad before, but it is now. So, yeah, huh? Cheers. I guess. Uh, so before we continue on to questions, Zach, I'd like you to give a little bit of information to our listeners on kind of <clears throat> who you are and what where you've been to lead up to now. 
Uh, okay. Well, um, to keep it brief, um, I grew up with uh, with these two clowns in uh, Grand Rapids, Michigan, just outside of a little suburb called. None taken. Uh, for those of you that are familiar <laughs> with you. <laughs> um, so sh- after we, after the three of us graduated high school, um, the other two on this podcast, my two generous hosts, uh, decided to head over to Central Michigan uh, to play rugby and study a little bit of school on the side. Um, I decided to join the Navy straight out of high school and tried out for the Navy SEAL teams. Uh, by the grace of God, and with a little bit of stubborn luck, I made it through. Moved to Virginia Beach in 2014, where I've been living ever since. Uh, just recently got out of the Navy, actually, and uh, so I've been um, experiencing this whole new adventure of, you know, if not the Navy, then then what else? Uh, which I think will tie into one of our bigger themes for our podcast today. Absolutely. So let's get started with questions. And by the way, thank you for kind of giving that uh, introduction, and you were so generous to us. Your, your comments. <laughs> <laughs> hey, man, if I like to drive a car with thirty other people in it, that's that's my business. <laughs> it's it's completely to up to you. Life. Whether you perceive "clown" as a derogatory term or not is not my problem. I meant it in the most loving way. He, he, yeah, he was trying to be endearing about it. It's true. Says the guy who also kicked me in the nuts as hard as he possibly could. Okay, I mean, listen, there's been history. We've, we're, this was like 10 years ago. It's over. I'm sure they've healed now, by now. <laughs> at, at least one of them has, yeah. The, the other one, we, yeah. All right. So, Zach, as our guest, why don't you lead us off with a question? All right, my question for you two fine gentlemen today. Let's say you seceded from the United States and started your own country. It's uh, starting as a as a one-man country, I suppose, or a one-family country. What would your flag look like? Uh, pretty sure it would just be like two beers crossing tips. <laughs> crossing like tips. a Jolly Roger, but with beers. <laughs> And maybe just like a happy hippie face in the middle, just like you know, like Willie Nelson, like with the little bandana. The little... Yeah, I feel like it'd be like fun colors. None of these like traditional blue, reds, exactly. whites, greens. I was gonna say, flags. yeah, I'm a, I'm a fan of uh, uh, Picasso, so I would really, I'd go for some abstract stuff. You know what? Nobody has ever really intentionally put a hole in a flag as part of like the Ooh. flag design. I would totally do that. Mm. I put like, a bottle opener on the flag. Absolutely. Oh yeah, make it useful. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You, you got to buy. You know, I mean, it takes a gale force wind to really flap around, but I got to tell you, it's worth it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> or maybe like a like a perforated flag. You know, it flaps a little better. Like athletic material, perforated kind of thing. Uh, yeah. Oh, or like a, yeah. I don't know. Increases sprinting speed when you wear Would it. You be the first country to like require the flag to be made of a certain material. Like, it needs to be made from, <laughs> like, sheep's wool from the Himalayas and polyester. I like it. Mine's going to be made of l- lizard leather. <laughs> a leather so flag Logan, with a bottle a, opener a, in it. A two beer, <laughs> we heard a two-beer Jolly Roger from Logan. Uh, Andrew, what do you think your flag would look like? Um, hmm. I think, honestly, it would be kind of something similar to uh, Picasso's painting of the guitar player. Hmm. Yeah. 
is incredibly classy. Like, too classy. It is. It really is. A, <laughs> it's a bougie country, I gotta tell you. <laughs> yeah, keep, keep in mind, you might have to go to war someday. <laughs> well, at least they're gonna have one badass, like, musician lead them. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. Maybe you got like a you got like a scimitar crossed with a guitar. I don't yeah, know, well, it's kind of a Jolly Roger. We we like to assimilate people. We're kind of like the Vorg in that way. So we don't really fight you. We just assimilate you. <laughs> <laughs> it's just that awesome. Yeah. Uh, what about you, Zach? What would your flag look like? Um, I would have to at some at some point in the design, I would have to incorporate the blood of my enemies. Um. I think a really simple way to do that is similar to how you see on a barber's pole, uh, where it's just like the, the, the red stripes and whatnot. So I'm thinking like, um, like maybe red stripes on the side, kind of like a, like a candy cane mm-hmm. almost. Um, and then maybe like, um, I don't know, like a, like a flaming dollar sign because my country would probably have awful inflation. I would just keep <laughs> printing money. So that would be like your um, your slogan potentially is like buckle up for inflation, buddy. <laughs> yeah, and then I think um, there would probably be some incorporation of bullets, not guns, but bullets, um, as a way to drive home the point that lead is this country's primary export, and we are mostly exporting them into the skulls of our enemies. We're, we're going to ignore the fact that most of his citizens have lead poisoning. but <laughs> <laughs> Minor detail. <laughs> yeah, we'll cross that bridge when we get to it, you know? Yeah. Oh, All right, so my question for the week. All right, so when you go out to a restaurant, what is that one food item that when you see it, you have to order it? Tacos. You're like you see tacos on the menu. You're like that is what I need. That is my jam. Well, so also I am kind of vicariously vegetarian because my my wife is vegetarian. Uh, so usually if we're at a place that they've got burger meat where the cow had a name going into this whole ordeal, <laughs> I I order a burger from there flat out. <laughs> yeah, it causes a big fight, but damn, is it worth oh, it? Oh no, it's, it's perfectly fine. Like I don't. She she doesn't mind, you know. I'm just I'm not making it at home, and that's that's where it's okay, right? Yeah. Uh, what about you, Zach? What's that food item that when you see it on the menu? It's a tough one because I can think of two. It, it's probably because it's changed over time. I think uh, growing up, you know, as a as a young Michigan man uh, with the uh, the five year old palate that I had until the age of 25, um, I probably would have said fried pickles. I would have guessed ketchup sandwich. Yeah, that's that's that that was at one point that would have been my answer. I think I think now my answer is probably oysters. As a matter of fact, ooh, okay. And uh, you know what? Got, about fifty percent got to do with the fact that it drives my wife crazy. See, I don't see oysters on the menu that often here in Michigan. Uh, when we have oysters, obviously that's the thing that I have to get. But that's like an appetizer usually. Uh, but. I mean, I guess you could make it an entree. You just no, yeah. You just eat enough of them, and it becomes the meal. (laughs) (laughs) Two hundred dollars later. Well, you know they're 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 an aphrodisiac, so you know I'll sell them on the wife. Like, hey, 
Ruby, why don't you have like you know, three dozen, three dozen of these? And now we know why she hates them. <laughs> yeah. She's like, Ugh, he's eating oysters again. Here we go. <laughs> I would say my, I also have kind of two items, uh, but usually they're not at the same restaurants. Uh, the first one is going to be an olive burger. When I see an olive burger on a menu, oh, dude, I, I, I have that craving wrong. I need to know what it's like. Uh, I get that. And to this day, the best olive burger, I think, belongs to the Keyhole up in Mackinac City. I still think to this day they have the best olive burger. Now, that could just be like personal experience and you know, kind of attaching it to uh, family and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. But they have an amazing olive burger. Uh, the second item is a French dip, which oh. isn't that special of a sandwich, right? Mm. It's basically uh, uh, Philly cheesesteak, but without peppers. You know, it's interesting, though. I think I've, I sometimes took for granted growing up, one, how close we are to Canada, and two, how much of French influence we have because of that. That's fair. You never see French dip in Virginia Beach. It's not a thing. Have you started any riots? Not yet. There's enough of those going on lately anyway. (laughs) I feel like if you were just one man in the street, be like, give me French dip. People would take it seriously. The news would be like, give give this man French dip. (laughs) Please, please somebody give this man French dip before he starts using his firearms in improper ways. Yeah, (laughs) that's his, that's his country's motto is French dip and freedom (laughs) or a French dip into freedom. (laughs) <laughs> you have an interesting perspective too because obviously we're both in michigan and ranch is i think the number one condiment it's like the dipping sauce for everything here in virginia beach it's it's not a thing really uh yeah you could tell your states by if they ask for ranch or not <laughs> well and here's the thing i've realized um michigan may be definitely like wisconsin um there are ranch connoisseurs I have friends from Wisconsin who are ranch connoisseurs. Like, they will be picky about their ranch. Uh, you, you can't just do no, like, um, like Blanchard's or anything like that. It's got to be, like, the good stuff. And rightfully so. <laughs> <laughs> Andrew and I are staying quiet. Like, uh, yeah, we're not, we're not picky about our ranch. Yeah. <laughs> I think down here in Virginia Beach, uh, the alternative is mayonnaise. Um, now like garlic aioli it's like flavored mayonnaise obviously um, usually with old bay but it's similar all right well this interview is over <laughs> <laughs> those are fighting words <laughs> mayonnaise is basically just unseasoned ranch which is we just throw seasoning back into it it's really the same basic ingredients all right andrew what is your question for us yeah so my question is would you look good with mutton chops? Yes, you would. I can. <laughs> you say yes, you would. <laughs> I can say from experience that uh, no, I do not. But damn, do I rock them! <laughs> I, uh, I I had this. Uh, I had a professor in college, my physics professor, who always had a goatee, and I think probably once a month I would go into his class with some different facial hairstyle. And one day I copied him and I came in with a goatee and he would not stop staring at me the entire <laughs> class. About about two weeks later, I came in with mutton chops. 
just and then I told him I was like, if our facial hair combined, we'd make one full beard. <laughs> <laughs> That's worth it. That is worth it for that joke. It, you know, it really is. It's it's always fun to creep out your professors just a little bit. Yeah, I you know I can't grow mutton chops. I can grow the goatee, but I can't grow mutton chops. What about you, Zach? I could grow them. I could grow the mutton chops for sure. I don't know if I'd want to. Um, it's unfortunate because i think everyone on this call understands that andrew is easily the most genetically gifted of the three of us uh, particularly when it comes to physical attractiveness um and yet he can't grow the mutton chops and and so you know now it becomes a competition between me and logan exactly Uh, let's just say in the 19th century i would not be a catch i think i could pull pretty well in the 19th century just uh my beard's just a little too puby I, th- I think that's like, that meets the requirement, though. That's like basically royalty. <laughs> if it's puby. If it's all wiry and thin, you're, that's, that's like, oh, yeah. Ugh. This guy came from a good, wealthy home. <laughs> yeah, yeah that, but I'm too skinny. At that point, just shave it, please. Yeah, <laughs> yeah so this leads us into our, our main topic here. And that is Ulysses S. Grant, the... Uh, American Civil War general and uh, president. But we're going to talk about the time before that um, because he actually, he lived a very interesting life and we're going to kind of tie this into the concept of uh, fulfillment, right? Trying to live a fulfilling life and and the different challenges that go with that. Yeah. Um, Back when he uh, was basically in the West Point, not basically, he was in West Point, uh, he actually spent time while in West Point studying under a romantic artist. When you say romantic artist, it's like the period. Yeah, yeah. The, like the yeah, romantic the, period, not just like a really yeah, good-looking yeah. artist. Well, <laughs> we're not authorized to speculate about such details. <laughs> yeah, obviously, I don't know the man, but I assume he wasn't the Hugh Hefner of his time. <laughs> maybe he was yeah so so it, it's an interesting point though because uh he did really he really did not want to go to west point in the first place he only went there because his father like got him the spot to go and he wanted to respect uh his father's wishes right so that was part of his kind of his code right was to respect his father and so he hated west point and he was actually a mediocre student yeah uh, he only excelled in horseback riding. That was the only thing he really excelled at. Wait, 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 wait. Hold on. So he he led the the Union Army to victory, and the only thing he he's getting credit for excelling at is horseback riding. Correct. That was in the in the academy. Yes, correct. Oh, in the I'm sorry. Okay, yeah. out of context. Yeah, we're still in the yeah. So he's in the academy, and so he. He's really only excelling at horseback riding, and he's he's kind of just an average student, middle of the pack. Hmm. And you know, after he gets out, you know, he doesn't he doesn't even get his chance to prove himself yet. So like the first thing, big event that happens is the Mexican American War in eighteen forty six, and he starts out as like a second lieutenant, as a quartermaster, and basically back then a quartermaster he was like in charge of supply and logistics for his division. Right, so not 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 glamorous, not battle, nothing. Right, nothing like that. And, and just to put it in context, he he doesn't swear, like he finds swearing to be really bad, and so he's deeply missing his wife. 
and it actually gets him discharged uh, from the military essentially now he resigns i think under the threat of okay. discharge he tried to resign yeah yeah <laughs> he, <clears throat> yes yep he he really used the situation to try to resign so now he's stuck basically working odd jobs and it's it's interesting he's kind of mediocre at a lot of these jobs like at one point he's literally trying to sell firewood to to keep his family like fed Wow. He's selling firewood on the corner. On the corner. On the corner. He, so he's he's across probably from all the prostitutes on the opposite corner, <laughs> <laughs> selling wood. You know, he's selling the opposite of what they're selling. Um, They'll make you feel warm. I'll keep you warm. <laughs> exactly. Um, and, you know, he had, like, rented out his house that he had built for his family. Like, this is how, how you know, dire straits he was in. Um, and it, that was pretty constant up until the Civil War. And it's it's interesting, too. Even during the Civil War, he chose to wear uh, the uniform, basically, of a, a lower rank of a private or a sergeant. And he stitched his emblem stitched onto that uniform. But it is essentially the private uniform just with, a, you know, a general's insignia on it. Hmm. And so it just it kind of tells volumes about this really I, I think larger than life character um that he went through like so many struggles and that his path was never obvious really until he got to the civil war so let me ask you this andrew do you feel like your path is obvious oh definitely not i i think there's the obvious formats work your career you get promoted then you retire and die yeah we have scripts we have scripts in our society yeah like Get out of you know, get out of high school, go to college, graduate college, get your first job, get married, have a kid, settle down, build a family, work 30, 40 years, and retire. The end. Yep. Yeah, my path is uh I would say it's similar to a duck's penis. It's it's very nonlinear is what he's saying. Yeah. <laughs> it's very corkscrewed. <laughs> very corkscrewed. Uh, that's that's going I, uh, in the, that's going to what I what did I learn section. <laughs> It's one of those things where I, you know, I'm still kind of searching for that purpose, uh, that, that life's meaning. Uh, obviously, I've found things that I'm really good at and things that I succeed at, uh, which is kind of that, you know, calling a little bit. Because obviously, I grew to uh, a pretty high rank pretty quickly within at least the restaurant business, uh, but then found that I didn't want to continue doing that, at least at the way it was going. And you know, Zach, I, I believe you kind of had a similar situation, correct? Yeah, my, my time in the Navy uh, was, it, it taught me a lot about myself, uh, maybe similar to Ulysses S. Grant. Uh, you know, when you're you're side by side with men in, in quite possibly the most frightening of circumstances, uh, you'll learn a lot about people, you'll learn a lot about how to how to lead people, uh, and you'll learn a lot about what's, what's really important. Uh, so one of the things that, um, you know, as I started to, I, I got out of high school and I joined the Navy and I thought that the Navy was going to be my forever thing. Um, and, and this happens to all sorts of folks and I'm not going to tell the whole sob story about why I left the Navy, but the bottom line is I did eight years and I found myself looking for my next mission. And I use that word intentionally um, because I think I'm an idealist. I'm an optimist at heart. Um, I, I try not to settle for just what's going to pay the bills, but try to look for, well, what's something that, I, I'm going to be motivated to put my everything into, right? And so if you guys ever read uh, 
like Simon Sinek's books, he talks about like this this worthy cause, you know, like this this bigger mission that really just like it's not it's it's bigger than the money, it's bigger than the the, the paycheck or the 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 schmoozing with the you know the coworkers, and it's about like this is something that I I believe in, and it's you know maybe even go so far as to say something I would die for, you know, which is something that I thought I found in the Navy. So you learn a lot. Um, you know, that that kind of life experience, I think, it, it expedites your own thought process about what is a worthy cause to you. What's the real worthy cause? Well, and I have a kind of interesting view at your life because uh, obviously we've been very best friends for a very long time, and so going back to like pre-kindergarten kind of times. Um, but I I remember specifically you talking to me about somebody in your group who used to be, uh, you know, higher up in Goldman Sachs. And this guy kind of taught you the basic knowledge of finance and managing money and where to put your money. And you really took that and ran with it. And I think that's kind of led you to where you're at currently, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, I think one of the things that... um... One of the things I I really had to realize was, um, and I would encourage you guys to ask yourselves this question. Um, what I asked myself about my time in the Navy is like, okay, so the Navy is not going to be the forever thing anymore. But the question I asked myself is, what was I doing in the meantime? Like, what 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 did I tend to put my energy towards? regardless of what the Navy was asking me to do, right? Hmm. And one of those things was, you know, once once I had a, just a very basic understanding of better ways to use the resources that, that I've been given, uh, I you know, it kind of a, a, awakened me, awoke, awakened me? We're going to go with awakened. Mm-hmm. It awakened me to seeing... <laughs> How, how many other folks hadn't had somebody like that who had sat down with them and said, look, dude, you hadn't given this any thought yet, and it, and it shows. So it was really just, it was one of those passionate things that I was like, I don't know. I, to me, it's kind of a game, and maybe that sounds a little bit, um, you know, a little bit callous, but uh, the, the game is, how can I make best use of everything I'm given? Right? So I have one dollar. How do I, you know, how do I make that $1 work as hard for me as possible um, to make sure that whatever I am passionate about, I mean, money's money's a tool, right? But the point is maximizing influence for the things that are important to me. So maybe, and maybe that's where it came from, you know, is finding out those other things that are important to me and realizing I, I can, you know, I have, the, I have this other tool available to make sure that the things that are important to me is to grow influence, not only for myself, but for others' benefit. And that's, that's the important part, man. And that's where I think it comes back to USSS Grant, too, is um, when it comes down to it, leadership's about people. I, I, you know, if you, if you only ever cared about yourself, you'll be, you'll be taken care of. You'll be just fine. I, I think the more, the more worthy cause, if you will, is how do I make sure I've got enough, like enough, and then give everything else to other folks who don't have enough yet. It's an interesting way to put it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
because that's that's another interesting thing about uh grant is that he like he desperately probably would have loved to just be a rancher essentially just working with horses every day seeing his wife every day right but that's not what what life gave him right life gave him these other tasks that had to be done um and he was a particularly good soldier in the context of you know actually being in the field um not necessarily in strategy or anything like that um and i think a lot of historians would agree you know strategy is not necessarily spectacular by any means but just the fact that he was able to lead people in such a way um was really enough right yeah so let me ask you guys i'm, I'm curious so you guys perspective this, uh, this ability that Ulysses had to lead people, think he was born with it, or do you think he learned it? Ooh, I am a big fan of nurture over nature. And I would agree with that, nurture versus the nature on that one. I, I don't think anybody's born with leadership. I think people pick that up. But I, I think uh, greatness is thrusted upon people. I think that is generally how things occur. Yeah, because I think everybody has the opportunity in life uh, to be great. And it's whether or not they. It's, it's whether or not you give the right response to that environmental input to you, right? That, like, here is a stressful moment where people are relying on me. And how do you come through that, right? Yeah, and that's a good point. I think in, um, you know, in my new career, I, that's probably one of the most powerful motivators for me is, you know, I've got, I've got clients now who have hundreds of thousands of dollars, maybe their entire life savings invested with me. And I'm making recommendations about move it here, move it there. And, and here's why, and here's how it's in your best interest. Um, and, and they're kind of just pushing the, I believe button. They're like, okay, Zach. Uh, so, you know, it's a little bit of pressure, but that, that pressure of like, we're literally talking about people's livelihoods, like for their retirement. And these people are counting on me. I can't think of a better motivator to be your best and highest self. Well, you did tell me to not invest in Bitcoin. Uh, and, uh, <laughs> sorry, sorry, not sorry. <laughs> you will gladly be consistent, also. <laughs> no, I mean, I, 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 I do, I do agree with you on that one. But it does suck seeing it like reach thirty grand, and I'm like, I could have bought that a thousand dollars. No, it's just like, like Tesla, right? You could have bought it when it was, you know. Yeah, hundred, hundred bucks a share, and you'd still somehow be making money, which I still don't, you know, still don't get. But um. a wise man once told me, he said, uh, "You know, you're building wealth the right way if it's incredibly dull." <laughs> <laughs> that sounds like a Warren Buffett um, quote right there. <laughs> uh, that uh, pretty much. It's kind of weird how it circles back to uh, the Turtle Beachhead. There, it's it's very dull. It's very dull. You'll bore your yeah. enemy, but that's that's really the that's that's the sharp point of the spear the right there. <laughs> <laughs> I like how that's become like the reoccurring joke. Is the Sea Turtle Beachhead? Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Over all these weeks, they've only progressed like eighteen meters. <laughs> but, but like. Yeah, we got it happening. It's just slow going. Yeah. Like, you give us a year, we'll take at least, at least one meter. Ah, imagine had Grant had one of those. It would have been unstoppable. Civil War would still be going on. Oh, wait. (laughs) Maybe too much. Maybe too much. So I have a question for you guys. What's that? How, How did Ulysses S. Grant know that he was successful? Oh, wow. You know, I don't. I don't think he did. 
Yeah, I don't. I don't really think he did, and especially like before the war, before the Civil War, I don't think he did. Well, I think he kept trying to be successful up until the day he died, um, because he even wrote memoirs of everything that he did, and he still he tried to get a third term of presidency, uh, but and that you know he lost and then died. I think a year later, mm-hmm. uh, but in between that time, he wrote his memoirs. So I I don't think he ever really considered himself successful. I think he just kept trying to be better, which I think is the definition of successful. Is it after you die? It's did he stop trying? You know, do we do we keep going or do we just be complacent at some point? Yeah, no, I you know I I really kind of appreciated researching Ulysses S. Grant, just learning about that he had these passions that didn't get fulfilled, but that he still lived this really fulfilling life. You know, not every moment was clearly leading to the next in a positive way necessarily. And and I think, you know, we kind of all have those kind of struggles at certain points. It's kind of, it's kind of a good, yeah, it's kind of a good uh, analogy of our podcast. Yeah. (laughs) We didn't really know where we were going for a little while. And I think we're starting to head down a good trajectory, but it took, took a solid, you know, 10 episodes to get there. But even Zach, Zach said the one of the best things to me where he, he texted me. Obviously, you're our guest now. But you texted me, Zach, and you said, I died laughing, not at the actual content, but more of the actual podcast and how there's zero value proposition. It is just two guys <laughs> shooting the shit, having a great time. Drinking beers. Take us take us or leave us. Yeah. Basically. We're out here to have a good time. I mean, this is something for our own enjoyment, and it just happens to be working out. So it's... And it's like you say at every podcast episode, Logan. Uh, you never take yourselves too seriously. We never do. We never do. We uh, we love joking around. It's it's one of the best things. Uh, and also, I'm getting a bit drunk. Uh, this is my second hop slam, and it's, it's hitting me. Yeah, that's heavy. That's... It's oh. hitting you. Yeah, Ruby doesn't realize she might have signed her own uh, death wish or whatever tonight by handing me the extra beer. <laughs> I'm gonna be I'm gonna be snoring, waking up like six times in the middle of the night to go pee. You're not gonna be a great roommate, Maybe. are you? I never am, if we're being honest. <laughs> <laughs> Just be exceptionally bad tonight. Uh, we're we're doing a video call, and Zach has probably the best wife. As she just brought him a beer. He's cheesing so hard. Oh, it's great. It's great. Zach, tell us about your newest beer. Yeah, it's... I, I married up. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, I, I, I picked this one partially uh, as an homage to uh, the partial subject of our conversation, uh, which was my last job as a Navy SEAL, uh, a.k.a. the uh, the Navy Frogman. And so this is an IPA called Rocket Frog. And it looks absolutely stunning. It says, uh, two-row malts, Vienna and wheat, uh, Centennial Mosaic and Simcoe hops, uh, a pale, golden, easy-drinking IPA um, with notes of dank resin, uh, citrus and stone fruit. No, it's a real IPA. No added bolt. Uh, I can't say that. Word. <laughs> oh, we can bleep it out. We can bleep it out. We've got the technology. <laughs> so I, I will say, um, Andrew, I know you're a huge fan of IPAs. 
I typically am not. Um, and so the reason I like this one is it's a little bit on the lighter side. Too much hoppiness. It's just not enjoyable for me. Like a hazy IPA, can't do it. Um, but I think this one's going to be enjoyable. So cheers. What are some other improper uses for a firearm? A uh, good one would be, you know, using a uh, Colt 45 to mix your cake batter. I uh, I think that you could make a strong argument that a firearm could be used as a pill dispenser, either orally or suppository. <laughs> uh, that's a good one. Orally or a suppository. Uh, those are your only two options? Well, I mean, how else are you dispensing pills I mean, into your body? It could be another Basically. option, I suppose. <laughs> I guess you could inject it, but I mean... Through your nose. Who takes a pill through the nose? Uh, it depends on what kind of pill it is and what kind of party you're at, I guess. I think you're talking about drugs. <laughs> is that not what we were talking about? Okay. <laughs> I, m- I missed the memo on that one. Um, I, I want to preface this for uh, anybody who might be listening that doesn't know me. Um, I spent eight years in the Navy, pretty significant experience with multiple weapon systems, anything from a 9 mil to a 50 cal, and everything in between. So I've seen a lot of improper uses personally. Um, I'm going to list mine in two different categories. Um, The first one is the improper use of the firearm itself, uh, and then I think uh, a second category is deserved, and that is the improper uh, use when firing the weapon. Uh, so first off, for the uh, for the firearm itself, and uh, I've seen most of these, uh, a bookend. It's probably not a good idea to jam it between your books. Um, even worse would be a doorstop. Um, jamming it underneath a door. Also seen that one, um, particularly if it's a heavy weapon. Um, free uh, a support for other freestanding firearms <laughs> well, is an improper use. That's like a, a Christmas firearm. tree of firearms, though. I mean, <laughs> I mean, <laughs> this one gets filed away in the category of just because you can doesn't mean you should. <laughs> okay, um, okay. I feel like I feel like an M16 make a really good back scratcher. Yeah, <laughs> you know, really, really gets that spot that you, you're not getting. <laughs> if you um, if you haven't fired it yet, I would agree with you. After you fired it a few times, that barrel gets pretty warm. Maybe the bed. Yeah, I mean, then, then, then that's, that's a heater for the bed, man. <laughs> um, yeah, that, that, that was number 15, actually. Yeah. On my list. <laughs> I, think, I think using the gun as a flashlight walking around your house at night, I think, I think that's a great use for I, a fire. I say I don't actually see anything improper about that at all. <laughs> you do that all the time. I'll say this one, and this is this is one that I've I've actually I've committed this crime personally. Um, improper use of a firearm number three hundred and fifty-two. Uh, using it as a pole vault. Interesting. So, so what what I'll situation my, would you use that as a pole vault? Uh, intentionally, I don't know. Unintentionally, <laughs> uh, it can happen before you know what's going on. Um, <laughs> Uh, a prime example would be uh, in the the hills of Fort Smith, Arkansas, uh, in the dark, when you trip over a rock with a 27-pound machine gun and basically dig the muzzle into the mud uh, and the buttstock goes into your abdomen. Ooh. Uh, you, how did you land, the, then? How did you land? Did your poop um, stay clean? 
No, mostly my neck. It was I was okay because my my neck took most of the fall. I was okay because <laughs> the neck took the fall. Great. Oh, I love it. Jeez. Uh, I think I think using it as a laser pointer in class. I think that's a pretty pretty uh, improper use for. That is a arm. great way it, to get out of police academy. <laughs> in in class. In cl- that's the that's the key one there. As if we weren't aware of enough of firearms in schools these these days. Yeah, mm. you know. That's um, from the teacher, though. Yeah, I would say it's like a like a ball scratcher. Basically, any type of scratcher. Mm-hmm. I think. You know, head scratcher. Have Have you guys seen that this whole internet phenomenon of people who there's like a whole Facebook group for people who like get off on pointing their loaded handgun at their junk. Wow. It's, that's that's a thing. This is like a whole it's a whole phenomenon. Now here's here's the best part. Um when you have a He's Facebook group like that. <laughs> not yet. Not yet I'm not. So w- when you have a Facebook group like that, it's inevitable that someone is going to get shot in the cojones sooner or later. Um, and it just so happened to have happened recently. Uh, there was a news article about it. And the funny part is, is now he is, they, they have made him their king, essentially. Like he is, he is now the admin of the group because he's the only one that's actually shot himself in the balls. I mean, it was well earned. Undoubtedly. It was well earned. Do you, do you think he did it because he like climaxed and... Yeah, yeah. I'm wondering how, how do you how do you end up with this um, situation? Is it that like you're going to the gun range and some guys are like putting up some of those like nude calendars up and like you're just starting to get an association or you pop in Viagra before you go to the gun range? Like, how do you get that you're fixation? Pav- Pavloving yourself? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> what gets you to that level of extreme where that's what that's what does it for you. Yeah, I mean, that's, that, and that's the only thing that does it for you. Exactly. Well, and it's it's not like generalized like some of the other like like sexual quirks. Like that's like oddly specific. Like there's a clear path you had to take to get there. <laughs> yeah. So what do they call that? What do they call what? <laughs> the group that you just mentioned. <laughs> like, do they have like a name for themselves? I don't think it did. I think the name was just. Um, Pointing gun at penis group. <laughs> that's that's not very creative. No, All right, your it's not. your task is to infiltrate the group and come back with uh, some uh, some knowledge. I uh, I believe you're I trained in if that. Nothing else. He's uh, I am <laughs> in, infil- infiltration intel gathering definitely my fortes. Ooh, I think it would be what, what the, the group probably called junk shot. <laughs> I like that junk shot. Uh, uh, tree, guns. tree removal, improper use for a gun. That's... Um, I don't care how much fun it looks like in Predator. It's really not effective. <laughs> That's the reason why Horse it's not re- effective. Not effective or not economic? Both. <laughs> I mean, a chainsaw. Yeah, the, the amount of ammo you would need to expend to actually shut shut down the tree. I mean, when it's government ammo, don't get me wrong. Hey, no, the government's paying for it, so you know, shoot down your use your Gatling gun. But uh, when you're when you're buying your own nine mil, just get a chainsaw. I think like uh, as a bottle opener. I think that's a definitely done that. Yeah, yeah. I'm sure you mm-hmm. have. Uh, at least the magazine. 
Because it's got that nice little lip on the edge. It's like perfect. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's got a clip. I think improper use would also be like you're going to the club and you got a small willy. So you you pack it with a, you know, a nine millimeter. Oh, instead of, yeah, so instead of using some salami from the uh, old Italian. uh... (laughs) Exactly. That or a banana. That was actually, that was on my list as well. Um, That's, that's unfortunate. I guess great minds think alike or, or insecure minds think alike. (laughs) So Zach, what's something interesting from the week? Something interesting from this week. Um, Boy, I don't know. This is a totally random topic, but um, this week you, you guys you guys saw my wife walk in with the beer. Uh, she right, she is one of the best wives I've ever had, only wife I've ever had. <laughs> we long story incredibly short. We had some kind of competition at work this week that I won, and so my boss sent me over five hundred dollars. Um, this is $500 I wasn't planning on doing. And the way Zach normally functions is if I get $500 I'm not planning on, it probably goes towards like the emergency fund. It just sits in a checking account or some shit. Mm-hmm. Right? My boss sends me the $500 and then follows up and says, you know what you need to do with this $500, right? I was like, put it in my emergency fund? And he's like, you need to go spend it on a ruby. You need to go spend it on your wife. Because she puts up with the late nights. She puts up with the long hours. She's the one who's making sure that you feel okay doing this job. And so he said, go on, he said, go on this website right now and you're going to book a weekend like romantic getaway package at a winery up in Williamsburg. And I did it. And here's the funny thing about it. Um, so what I do now, you know, financial advisor by trade, um, the unofficial record, you know, there's, there's a large aspect of sales. To what I do, especially when you're convincing someone, you know, hey, let me manage a quarter million of your money for you. Um, and so here I am, you know, talking salesman to salesman at the front desk of this winery and essentially asking the salesman to be upsold. I was like, listen, dude, I've got it. You're, you're only giving me a $300 package here and I've got a $500 budget. <laughs> so it was just. It was just such an interesting experience. One, because it's, it's, it's outside of my comfort zone, right? It's something I wouldn't normally do, but I kind of pressed the I believe button. Um, and I took it on faith and obviously Ruby was absolutely stoked. Mm. Uh, she, you know, was over the moon that I would do something like that. But, but, but second, just the, the experience of like, I don't know, given your fellow man a little bit of a break, like, Hey, listen, man, I'm not your yep. typical guy that's like trying to stick to a, like a really stringent budget. And I'm like, this isn't a you versus me. Like I'm, I'm asking you to take advantage of me right now. <laughs> like you've, you've got up to $500 and <laughs> have at it. So it's a, it's a very interesting experience for me, I guess for a couple different reasons, but, uh, I made a friend. I made a friend and I'm going to shake his hand when I get to the winery next weekend. <laughs> But also super cool of your boss to do that. Yes. And he, not only is it super cool that, you know, he gave you the money for that, but also that he reached out to you and said, you know what that money is for. He said, that's, that's for treating your better half. That's for treating the person that has to deal with you. And as I know, and I'm sure Andrew knows, Sometimes you're not the easiest person to Most deal times. with. Most times. 
and I think that um, you know, that's that's what leadership comes down to. You know, it's it's really it's yeah. it's having enough of a relationship with the folks that you lead to be able to step in like that and really be a value add on a personal level. Mm-hmm. What about you, Andrew? What's interesting from your week? Rerouted a dryer vent. No, no, no. Hold on. We said what's interesting. Yeah, that is the most interesting thing. Yeah. <laughs> So rerouted the dryer vent, and I also cleaned the dryer vent. There's enough fur out there to make a small squirrel. Or actually, probably a rather fat squirrel. Or like a small beaver? Uh, yeah, pretty small beaver. Yeah, yeah. Yep. Yeah. yeah, but Corey kills all those, so. <laughs> Not the big kind that we used yeah. to have. Yeah, exactly. No, no, yeah. A modern beaver. Yeah, probably could. Huh. All right. Uh, so interesting for my week. It's actually, so Andrew and I had a phone conversation earlier, and my... My mind was racing, and I told Andrew I talked to him about it during the podcast. My interesting thing from the week is about Death Wish Coffee. I love Death Wish Coffee. <laughs> if you guys haven't heard about Death Wish Coffee, so normal coffee has almost zero effect on me. Uh, your regular cup of coffee, I could drink one, and I could be asleep in the next 30 minutes, and I would be asleep for the next seven hours just fine. Uh, I, I don't get awakened by coffee. I made the choice today to buy Death Wish coffee because I've been looking at it every time I've been in the store. I bought it, and I have never felt so weird in my life where I couldn't just control my hands. They were flying everywhere. I was I, I, My brain was moving a thousand miles a minute. <laughs> I couldn't focus on anything other than what I was... I have never been that sort of jacked up in my life. Off one cup of coffee. One single cup. Wow, Death Wish Coffee really knows what they're doing when they say it's the strongest in the world. Because, wow, I was buzzing hard. Yeah, at the end of the day, I mean, really, it's just, I mean, it's a legal form of psychoactive drug that we choose not to place a stigma on. And so, (laughs) you know, hey, uh, smoke them if you got them, I guess, right? No, I I get a lot of buddies in the Navy who, who swore by Death Wish. Um, and it's, it's a pretty common, I don't know if it's because, you know, you're doing all night patrols or if you're standing 24 hour watches Mm -hmm. or what have you, but the, uh, you know, the high caffeine content is particularly popular, uh, with your nation's military. So cheers. Andrew, I don't know how well you, uh, recall that conversation, but how many subjects did I go through in a matter of 30 seconds? You didn't even complete sentences or ideas. But I'm pretty sure there was at least like an idea every five seconds coming into your mind. I was like, okay, all right, let's just focus on the one. <laughs> I, I I even slowed myself down. And I was like, whoa, okay, Andrew, let's focus on that one thing first. Ask me about the rest of them as you go along, because otherwise my brain mm. is just gonna keep on running. <laughs> oh, it's bad. But wow, is that coffee good? I can't <laughs> wait to drink it tomorrow. <laughs> it's gonna be a weird day of work. Well, all right. We've had a lot of fun. Let's move on to what we have learned. Andrew, what have you learned? Well, I have learned that uh, Zach has some connections at Goldman Sachs, and uh, it's pretty helpful. Uh, surprisingly, not as helpful as you might think, <laughs> unless you're paying them. That, that was actually one of, the, that was one of the questions in the back of my mind was, how much did that cost you, Zach? <laughs> I always... Uh, Pro tip, always opt for payment other than money. If you could pay in blood, sweat, and tears, do it. 
I was gonna say we take beer here. That's our currency. Also, also a valid, valid form of currency. I would say, um, I would say more valid than Bitcoin, actually. Mm. What is what is Zach learned? Um, besides the fact that Logan has a corkscrew shaped penis, <laughs> um, I learned that. Um, I'd say the other thing that I learned uh, this evening is that it's okay if we don't know whether or not we've been successful with our life because success is a moving target and it's uh it's really more about the uh the the journey the pursuit you one would say than it is about the uh the reaching of the destination i'll cheers to that cheers to that oh what have i learned that we can actually have some value proposition on this podcast. <laughs> whoa. Whoa, whoa, whoa. And what is that? Whoa, whoa, whoa. Uh, to not take yourself too seriously. And uh, that at the end of it, you're not going to know what the end is. <laughs> but somebody else will. So might as well live it up, right? So your your value proposition is YOLO. <laughs> <laughs> millennials aren't we you know honestly casual improvement is okay there's nothing wrong with that yeah casual improvement it's a pretty good value proposition of a podcast because we casually improve every week oh all right zach thank you very much for coming on uh it's been a pleasure thanks for being a part of the dude scouts more than happy to attend appreciate Uh, you guys having me on you know what? Actually, better yet, thank you for being a dude scout to your buddies. Yeah, absolutely. I think you've been a dude scout to us. That's that's kind of what it's about, though, right? I'm going to have to ask you guys to define what a dude scout is. You know, I think we did define it, though, Andrew. I think we did define what being a dude scout is. I think being a dude scout is... It's about being what Andrew has been to me over the last year. Being a dude scout is being that guy that pushes you to constantly improve being that guy that gets you to go past the things that you really don't want to do. Uh, Cause you know, you want to feel lazy today or you want to take a break or you want to just not really do it. it the, being a dude scout is the guy that pushes you to do better. The guy that pushes you to be successful. Even if you don't realize you're being successful, I think that's what being a dude scout really is about. Uh, and I think both of you have pushed me, I know personally, to become that. Um, I would hope that I've had a similar effect, but obviously that's one of those things that's uh, up to history, right? Okay, well, you heard it here first, ladies and gents. We have defined Dude Scouts, and I'm sure these Dude Scouts have a similar mission, to have a similar effect on every one of our listeners. Did you just make us have a value proposition, you dick? <laughs> gotcha. <laughs> Andrew. You clever bastard. I'll see you later. <laughs> All right. Until next time. Toodles. Deuces.
Thanks for listening to another episode of Dude Scouts. Please validate our fragile selves by giving us a follow on Instagram or send us an email at dudescoutspodcast at gmail.com. Thanks again. Toodles.